The struggle is real, isn't it? If you've lived here on Hilton Head for long enough, you know that the struggle is real. If, you've been, if you are married or have been married, you know the struggle is real. If you are a parent, the struggle is real. If you're a child, you have no idea, all right? You have no idea. <laughs> the struggle is real. This morning, um, we're going to continue the series, but before we get jump into it, my name is Todd Cooper. I'm the student pastor here. I have the uh, opportunity to, to hang with the 6th grade through 12th grade students and um, this morning, I have the opportunity to share with you all, and uh, I'm going to finish this series on The Struggle is Real. Um, we are going chapter by chapter through the book of Ephesians, and uh, this morning, we are going to finish with Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God. And when you hear of that, maybe you saw it in the email this week, or maybe this is the first time this morning, when you hear of that, some of you might roll your eyes because you think it's cheesy, and maybe you've heard songs from back in the day in whatever church you grew up in. Um, and you just think, man, oh gosh, here we go with the whole spiritual warfare thing. Maybe some of you have really never heard too much about it, um, but this morning I want to dive into it because I believe that it is, is essential that we understand what is going on. And uh, before we get into it, let me, let me um, dispel a misconception. And the, the misconception is this, is that um, for some of us, uh, maybe the, the minority of us, um, we have this tendency, maybe if somebody has taught us this way, or maybe we have read some books or whatever it might be, we have this idea that, for instance, if, if someone with an Ohio license plate cuts us off on 278, that we have to follow them into the Kroger parking lot and perform an exorcism, exorcism on them, all right? If you're from Ohio, we will not be doing that. At least here at our church, we will not be doing that, okay? Because that is not spiritual warfare, right? Sometimes we can take it a little too far. But I think for the majority of us, we don't have um, a proper understanding. And even me doing study this week and me growing up in several different denominations, several different churches, I think that we don't give enough credit to this reality that is going on um, right in front of us. And it's this idea of spiritual warfare. And so if you will join me, I'm going to jump right in. So go ahead and flip to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And we're going to jump right into this. Uh, break, I'll break it up into two different parts. And um, I'm excited for this morning. And while you do that, I'm actually going to pray. God, we thank you this morning that you are here with us. God, we thank you that there is so much that goes on that we never see and never will see. But God, but one thing that we can be confident of is that you are here in our midst this morning that your Holy Spirit is alive and is active, God, and that you have a plan and a purpose for this morning, this afternoon, God, for each student in here, the graduates who, God, in a few weeks and a few months will be moving on to a, an entirely different chapter in their life. God, you have a plan for us and you are here with us. God, I pray that you open our spiritual eyes, you open our ears to um, this idea of spiritual warfare and what it means for us how it affects us, what our role is in it. God, and ultimately, may you be glorified in this. God, we love you so much. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. This is Paul speaking. Um, again, the, the purpose of Ephesians, we kind of have, over the last few weeks, have unpacked that the first few chapters of Ephesians is really teaching us some, doc some doctrine, some essential um, teachings that we must understand in the last three chapters are kind of putting those into practice. And so this is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. 
Paul says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So I want to stop right there. This right here sets up the, the why, the purpose of the next few verses. This is explaining what is going on in our world and in our lives every day that some of us maybe have turned a blind eye to, maybe some of us have never really understood, we've never heard about, but it's this idea of spiritual warfare. And we have an enemy, his name is Satan, and his plan is to, to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. And I think that many times we, we do not completely and fully understand what that means. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy from your life and from your children and from your spouse and from your family, your neighbors, your coworkers. Satan hates you. Satan loathes you. Satan wants you to rot in hell. This is truth. Satan wants your child and your children to rot in hell. And you might think, what in the world did I just step into this morning? That's the truth. It's the truth. And sometimes you can't, you can't skirt around the truth. The truth is that Satan hates you so much. The truth is that Satan makes someone like Hitler look like a saint. That's the honest truth. It's, it's reality. Hitler, in comparison to Satan, looks like a saint. I knew I wouldn't put it up, but I, it kept coming to my mind, and I wrestled with it in the weeks leading up to this sermon. But there's only been one image in my entire life that has physically made me sick to my stomach where I, I believed I was going to throw up. I was so close to the point of throwing up. There's only been one image that has ever done that. And as you know, there's much turmoil in the Middle East, but there was an image of, this, of the effects of this poisonous gas attack just about a month ago, two months ago. And there's several images, but there's one image in particular that came across my news feed on Facebook and I saw on, 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 online, and it was a picture of a, a pile of children who had been murdered through this poisonous gas. And you ask, why in the world would you bring that up? Because I want to paint the picture of how evil this, this enemy of our soul is. And it is that that he takes pleasure in. The image that brings us to the point of nausea is the same image and the same, the same action and the same idea that brings pleasure to Satan. Satan enjoyed seeing that happen. This is the enemy of our soul. This is the enemy of our children's souls. And I don't know about you, but if this doesn't encourage you to wake up and get on your knees in the morning before your children wake up and pray for them every day, I don't know what will. Because we have an enemy of our soul, an enemy of our children, an enemy of our marriage. And he will do whatever it takes to destroy us and to destroy our marriage and to destroy our families. He hates us. He delights in our pain. 
And as you saw in there, it says this. It says, Therefore we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our enemy is not our spouse. Our enemy is not our children or our parents. Our enemy is not a political party. The only one who wants to see our demise is Satan himself. Others might have been fooled into thinking they want our demise, but nobody truly wants to see us suffer the way that Satan wants to see us suffer. And it says just before that, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil. In other words, Satan, his one goal is to fool us. And in fooling us, he can bring us to destruction. He can steal from us. He can destroy us. But Satan seeks to fool us. To fool us into thinking that our spouse is our enemy. Fool us into thinking that our life is not worth living. I spent the majority of this week with a family of a young girl who just graduated. And on Tuesday night, she took way too many drugs because she was trying to kill herself. She was trying to take her own life because she had been fooled into thinking that my life is not worth living. The devil's schemes had convinced her that she had no worth, she had no purpose, that her full-ride scholarship, her full-ride athletic scholarship that was supposed to to go into effect next year as she moved to college to play this sport, that that didn't matter anymore, that she had no purpose in living. The enemy wants to fool us into thinking these thoughts that will eventually bring us to destruction, will eventually bring us to the point where he can steal from us, steal the joy and steal those things which God has given to us. And so it begins by saying, be strong in the Lord and in his might. Put on the whole armor of God. We have this thought many times because it is just our human nature that we have to do something in this battle, that we have to forge our own armor, that we have to get it together, pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and get in this battle. But the reality is we don't have to fight a battle that's already been won. We don't have to fight a battle that's already been won. Are we still impacted and influenced by the effects of this this battle? Yes, but Christ has died and risen, and he has won this battle. And so our job is not to fight this battle, but our job is to stand firm and to put on the armor of God. But the reality is that we we can have something and not put it on. We can have the armor of God and not put it on. We do it with many things in our life. And so this morning, Paul's encouragement is to put on this armor of God. You don't have to create this armor. He's saying you don't have to get this together. You don't have to spend your life finding this armor. It's already been given to you. Now just put it on. Because that's our only hope in standing against the schemes of the enemy. And so if you'll join me, I'm going to go back to the passage in verse 14. It says this, Stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And I, I know this is a disservice to the passage, but in reality, this would take six weeks to go piece by piece through the armor of God, but I'm going to quickly go through the armor of God. And I encourage you to, to join us on Wednesday night for Roots. We'll dive a little bit deeper, and, and on your own time, to spend time looking into what is the armor of God. And what, are all, what do each of these pieces represent? What do they mean? But quickly, I'm going to go through them. I'm going to spend the most time on the first one, and that is the belt of truth. Um, I, about a year ago, I was asked to speak at Hilton Head Christian Academy to the elementary school kids, and um, they were going through the armor of God, and I had um, the belt of truth. They asked me to speak on the belt of truth, and I, I thought to myself, oh, come on. Seriously, the belt of truth, when there's a sword, there's a shield, there's a huge breastplate of righteousness, so you want me to speak on the belt of truth? I was discouraged. I was discouraged. But I spoke on it, and as I spoke on it, and as I continue to study it for today's message, I believe that it is the most important piece of this armor. They are, they, they are all essential. That is why Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. But especially what Paul is referencing, which is the Roman armor, the belt played, I believe, the most essential role in this armor. And underneath their armor, they had a tunic and it was this belt that when, when war was imminent, they would pull up their tunic and they would fasten it with their belt so they would not trip. And without this, we have to understand that all the other pieces of the armor are meaningless if we cannot even walk and we can't even stand without tripping on, for them, what was their tunic. And so the belt of truth, which is not even seen as covered by all the armor, I believe is is the most essential piece to this armor. Because without it, we'll trip. Without it, we'll trip on things our wife or our husband might say to us. Without it, we'll trip on things that we might hear in our day-to-day life or things that we might see in our day-to-day life. But if we have the belt of truth, then I believe that everything else can easily be put on and easily be used effectively. And so this is my challenge that throughout this week and today, that, that you really, you look at these three aspects. These three, I believe, um, core facets of truth that you must understand before we begin talking about the other pieces of the armor. And it is this. I believe that our ability to stand firm, which Paul asks us to do, depends on the truth of who we are, who God is, and what God's purpose is for us. So this morning, my challenge is if you don't know who you are and you can be well out of your 20s, your teens, your 30s and still question who you are, if you don't know who you are, if you don't know who God is, you don't know what God's purpose is for your life, start there. Start there. Seek out somebody, Todd or myself. Seek out somebody in this church or maybe somebody that you 
um, have been mentored by in the past. If, you, if you're a reader, I have an amazing book by Tim Keller that has changed my life that will help answer these questions. But if you question who you are, who God is, and what God's purpose is for your life, then I believe it, it, there's no point in talking about the rest of this armor. There's no point in talking about standing firm in this battle because we cannot stand without understanding these three things. And so I'll leave you hanging because that's all the time I can put into that. But the next one is the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate protecting our heart. And Proverbs says this, it says, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the spring of life. If you look into the Bible about all the passages concerning our heart and the importance of our heart, you'd be reading all day it's because our heart is of utmost importance. And so to... to put on the breastplate of righteousness, not our righteousness, because we have no righteousness apart from Christ. But the righteousness that Christ demonstrated, we put that on, and that is what protects our heart, because our heart is what, come, is, is what brings all things, everything that we say through our mouth, everything that we think is rooted in our heart. From it flows a spring of life, the shoes of readiness, being ready to stand, to move, to move forward, to move backward, the, the shoes of readiness, which comes from the gospel of peace, understanding that the gospel, the good news is what gives us peace to do what God has called us to do, that there is no fear because we are fitted with the shoes of readiness. The helmet of salvation, protecting our mind, and never forgetting our salvation that is rooted in the cross and the death of Christ. Romans 8.1, Paul says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation, this thought that, that I am an evil person, I am a bad person, versus con a conviction which is I have, a done, I have done a bad thing. Put on this helmet of salvation, assuring us that we are saved no matter what we do. We are still saved that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And later in Romans chapter 8, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. That is what the helmet is for. The shield, which in Roman times, this is a shield that went from head to toe, covered their entire body. A shield that protects us from the, the largest of attacks, the most brutal of attacks. And this is the faith, this is our first line of defense. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. If you look back into to Jesus' ministry, the first thing he does after baptism is he goes into the desert. He spends 40 days without food and water, and he is tempted by Satan himself. And how does he respond? He responds by quoting the word of God. And that's how he stands firm against the attacks and the schemes of the devil, is the word of God. And so my point is, is that the armor of God is designed to illustrate that we are weak and needy. Because if you look back into all of those things, none of those depend on us. The helmet of salvation, salvation does not depend on us. The breastplate of righteousness is, is Christ's righteousness, not ours. The sword of the Spirit is God's word and not our word. My hope and my prayer is that we don't walk out thinking that we have to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and get into this war and start fighting tooth and nail. 
because none of this armor has anything to do with us. It is simply to show us that we are weak and we are needy and we need everything that Christ provides. It's not forged based on who we are or what we've done. It's forged based on what Christ has done. Look at this, the belt of truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The breastplate of righteousness. He is the one who is righteous. Shoes that keep us constantly vigilant because of the gospel or the good news. News is what has been done, not as what, what needs to be done. These are all based on what has been done and who Christ is, not us. The shield of faith. Jesus was the one who demonstrated the ultimate act of faith to the point of death on the cross. Helmet of salvation. We are only saved because of what Christ has done and the word of God is not our word again. Each of these are to show that this is not an armor that we forge. This is not an armor that we upkeep. This is not an armor that we do anything with except put on. We put on this armor of God to stand firm against the enemy of our soul who wants to see us suffer. Again, this is not a pull yourself up by the bootstraps type of message. Because there is, there is no way that we can pull ourselves up. It is a, your life is in jeopardy. Your children's lives are in jeopardy. Your coworkers and your neighbors, your marriage is in jeopardy. And there's only one way that you can stand firm when everything begins to shake, when everything begins to crumble, and that is putting on the armor of God, which is provided by the act and the person of Jesus Christ. And so we might not completely understand what goes on in the spiritual realm. I don't believe that's Paul's purpose here is to tell us what's going on necessarily. His purpose is to tell us this is how you stand firm. And so his purpose here is, is to show us that because of what Christ has done, that is our only hope in standing firm. So what's the bottom line today? What's the one thing that I want you to walk away with understanding is that we have one enemy, and that is Satan. Our wife, our husband, our children, our co-workers, they are not our enemies. We have one enemy with one purpose, and it is to destroy us. And only one way to defend ourselves, and that is through Christ and the armor that he provides us. I hope that you're able to walk away this morning not in fear of the spiritual war, actually the opposite, more confident that because of what is going on that you can stand firm. But I want you to walk away understanding that there's so much more going on in your life and in your children's life than, than you'll ever fathom. That there are more lies being fed to them by the enemy than we can ever begin to imagine. And the thoughts that go through our heads and their heads to the point of a, of a girl, an 18-year-old girl, taking her, almost taking her life this week. There's so much going on. There's so much going on in the spiritual war. And we're not against each other. This book of Ephesians is all about unity. We are not against each other in this church. We are not against each other within the large church, all Christians in general, we're not even against each other in this world. The enemy has just fooled us into thinking that our, our enemy is a person who sits in this room or our enemy is the person who 
believes a different religion and is willing to kill someone because of it. They are not our enemy. They are not our enemy. The opposing political party is not our enemy. We have one enemy, and he has fooled us into thinking that they are against us and we are against them. And so today my challenge for you is to understand this, understand that that we have one enemy with one purpose and only one way to stand firm. My challenge as well is to stand firm, to stand firm, to put on this armor that Christ provides. Maybe Maybe it means waking up early in the morning and praying diligently for you and your marriage and your children. It could mean a plethora of things but I challenge you to, to look introspectively into your life and question, do you have an enemy aside from Satan? Is there someone that you have put your, your hatred towards or somebody that you, have, that you have maybe viewed as someone who wants to destroy your life or are you focused on one enemy? Are you focused on one way to stand firm? And I believe that this will, t- this will cause us to take our spiritual life much more seriously. And I believe that this will cause us to, to be founded on a much more firm foundation than just trying to fight this battle and to stand against the schemes of the devil with our own ways, whether it be making money or whether it be just going from one relationship to the next, or whether it be getting good grades I don't know what it is, but we cannot fight this battle. We cannot stand in this war without Christ and the armor that he provides. God, this morning I pray for each individual in here, God. I pray for the parents and the spouses and the the bosses and the coworkers. God, for the students who are about to enter a whole new stage of life. God, I pray that you renew their minds this morning. God, renew their minds to the reality of this war that we are in. God, it might look exactly like the movies that we see. It might look completely different. But God, your intent in this passage, Paul's intent, God, is for us to understand that we might not know all the details, but what we need to know is that it's serious and there's only one way God, that we can stand firm is when we turn our eyes to you and to what you have done and to who you are. God, we, we give everything to you. We give it all to you, God, whether we're in the midst of an all-out war in our marriage, God, whether we're in the midst of an all-out war in our family as we speak, God, or whether it's about to come or whether... It has already come. God, help us turn our eyes to you, to your salvation, to your righteousness, to your faith, to your word. God, and in that, we are able to stand firm. God, this morning, this afternoon, may you be glorified in all that's done. For those who are going to be baptized this afternoon, God, may they stand firm in who you are and what you've done. 
God, for the students that we're about to recognize as they go off, God, to school, may you help them to stand firm in your work and in your person. God, we love you so much. Amen.